everyone. Welcome to the Stage Free Podcast. I'm April Angeletta, and I'm here with Dominic Ellis. Hello. Chuck Perryman. Hi, April. Amy Solera. Hey there. And Mike Philly. Hello. So we are here to tell you a little bit about Concert 2.1, the very first concert in our second season. This concert will be at a private residence. And Mike Philly, can you tell us a little bit more about the program? Sure. 2.1, it's a concert featuring uh, music from Latin America or music inspired by Latin America. The concert developed around two musicians that I know uh, well or well enough. Uh, Amy Solera, who's a Bendignon player, and a friend, David Miranda, uh, who is a tenor. Um, through different conversations, both of these musicians expressed interest in performing uh, their respective musics more, uh, getting it out into the community. And so when we were thinking about what to do on the first stage for concert, the idea came to mind that combining these two different types of music, uh, but from a similar region, uh, would be a really great opportunity to explore music that doesn't often get performed or music that doesn't get as performed as often as uh, typical German or French or Italian music. Uh, so we put together this concert of music from Latin America or inspired by Latin America uh, in order to continue our theme or our goal of supporting local uh, DC regional music. In addition to Amy and David's participation on the concert, we'll have a piece by Armando Baiolo, uh, who's famous in Washington New Music Circles as the director of Great Noise. Uh, he'll have a piece for violin and electronics. Uh, and then we have two pieces by composers who are not uh, tied to Latin America ethnically, uh, but whose music is inspired by music from that region. Um, one is Sam Post, who is our pianist, and the other is Dom Ellis, who wrote the very first piece specifically for Stage Free, which is really exciting. Yay, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> right, and just to for those of you who are not in the D.C. area, Great Noise is the Great Noise Ensemble, That's which right. is a new music ensemble that performs in D.C. And Dom is Dominic, who is our composer who we introduced earlier. He goes yes. by Dom casually. I, yeah, I go by Dom to my friends and my family, but Dominic professionally. So we'll be using both today, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So we have Amy here, and Amy, can you tell us a little bit about the Bandignon? What is that? Uh, so the Bandignon was, um, it was developed in Germany. It's under the Concertina family, uh, basically, because it's an instrument with a bellow system, which pushes air in and out, and it allows the air to go in and out because of uh, reeds, metallic reeds, uh, that you open through a keyboard system made of buttons on either side. Most people try to describe it as an accordion. To make life easier, I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound like an accordion? Not at all. I mean, that's one of the, the things that really draws people to the instrument. It's its sound, its uh, timbre is much, it's darker than the accordion. Mm. It's much more mellow, and it has to do with the, the way they developed and forged the reeds in uh, Germany. Something interesting about the instrument uh, Everyone wants this brand called Alfred Arnold, double A, because it has the, the best tone that everyone wants, except uh, the factory had to close due to World War II. Oh. And the makers had to flee the country. And they never really passed on how to forge the reeds. So for years, no one was making new bandoneons because no one knew how. And in the last six or seven years, there's been a curiosity of how to remake that sound and 
it's getting closer and closer to those of the 1920s, 1930s. That's uh, pretty fascinating. Yes. Uh, how long have you been playing the Vendignon? Three years. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I studied with this uh, Vendignon player, Santiago Sogre. Actually, I've been studying with Santi for only two and a half years. And I, I started the Bandoneon because there's a tango community orchestra in the United States. I mean, D, in Washington, D.C., which was the... No. It's a community orchestra, and it's the first in the United States. It's the longest running. It's the Tango uh, Mercurial Community Orchestra. There's a web page. And since I'm a pianist, I finished grad school, and I was like, oh, I, I want to play more music because I do anesthesia. And... Uh, and so anyways, I, I joined this orchestra by accident. I was just looking for a place to play. And I'm like, oh, I like Piazzolla. So I went. But they play music from the 1930s and 40s, so people can dance. They're a dance orchestra. And I would see the bandoneon players. And it's very difficult to learn that uh, instrument in this country. There's hardly any teachers. And so most people only really know the right hand, because that's where melody is. And so I was like, oh, we're missing all the chords. I'll, I'll just learn the left hand <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it began so that's great so you are you are playing some classical pieces or some concert pieces on the stage free concert correct um but bandignon is not typically thought of as a concert instrument right it's it's part of a tango band usually that's how it started yeah uh with piazzola uh he kind of changed this idea of it being for dancers and this they, they call it like this rupture between music for dancing and music for uh, listening mm. and he was very interested in making that instrument for the concert and so mm. he wrote a lot of pieces for that so a lot of contemporary tango musicians that I personally know they will write music for dancers but the majority I know it's it's music for listening mm -hmm. uh, highly influenced by tango it definitely is tango because of all of its characteristics are heard within that. Um, but no, if you go to Buenos Aires, you can go to their equivalent of their, their, their performing arts is the Central Cultura de Kirchner. But you can also go to a local restaurant and hear it. It's, it's a really interesting city. There's music everywhere. It's pretty interesting. It seems like, well, we'll probably cut this part out, but I want to say it. It's like every popular music seems to go through that same transition. Like you have, like with jazz, you have Duke Ellington kind of turning it into concert music. With like Bossa Nova, you have Joe Beam turning it into more concert music and stuff like that. And I play uh, bluegrass music, so it's kind of like taking the American folk tradition, which, you know, is a social thing in a lot of ways, and turning that into more concertized music so it's interesting that that happened with the band Nyon too band Nyon music i mean yeah I, and i've thought about that a lot but I mean, it makes sense you know it's like composers like Dom, they like to experiment they like to push things forward artists like to push things forward mm -hmm. and it's like for example one of the reasons why the bandoneon is so difficult to play is that the keyboard system there is some logic in the center buttons but as, as musicians got better and better they asked luthiers to add more buttons because they wanted more notes and so they just started uh, adding it around the periphery. So it's become it became a really random keyboard system mm -hmm. because people got better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we also have Dominic Ellis here, and Dominic wrote a new piece for tenor, violin, piano, and bandoneon. What is the name of your new piece? 
It's a doozy of a title. Um, you can do it. I'm going to do my best. Uh, <laughs> so it's called Conoce la diligencia con que se acerca la muerte y procura conoce también la conveniencia de su venida y aprovecharse de, de su conocimiento. Muy bien. Gracias. Wow. <laughs> and what does that mean? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I speak enough Spanish to order at restaurants and that's it. But uh, I refer to it as Conoce in my head. Mm. Um, it's you know cognizant of the diligence with which death approaches. It's very elevated language mm. um, by Francesco de la Guerra. Um, but yes, that is the piece I wrote. We're really lucky at the University of Maryland community to have Amy around to show us what this instrument is. I don't know about you, Dom, but I had never heard of the Bandignon before I met Amy. What was it like to experience this new instrument and have to learn about it enough to compose something for it? It was a challenge, to be sure. Um, Annie actually was kind enough to do uh, a short masterclass for us last year uh, as part of the composition colloquium, and that was my first formal introduction to the Bandignon. Before that, I had only heard it in jazz context. Um, there's a, a part-time Bandignon player in the big band of Maria Schneider in New York City, and uh, my old jazz teacher, Fred Sturm at Lawrence University, did a... 10 or 12 piece project um, arranging the music of a store piazzola for jazz big band. So I had only heard the band in Yon. I've never composed for it. It was a challenge to be sure. Well, maybe this is a question for both of you guys, but what are the the like restrictions for a band in Yon? Are there things that it, it cannot do that you would have liked it to be able to do? <laughs> for me, the, the first hurdle to get over was the range. It's uh, very much like the handbell ensemble where you know certain notes need to be written on certain staves no matter what their range is um and also as any was speaking about before the fingering system just has no rhyme or reason to it so i was looking it up online i was like you know what is the range of the bandignon what are the fingerings what can i do to make this piece you know as easy to learn in just a few weeks as possible and the internet replied with a resounding there's nothing you can do with this instrument <laughs> <laughs> I have to say this. So I was looking over Dom's piece. It is well written for a first attempt. It really is. So strong with my friend. Good first try, Dom. I'll take that. No, no, it's really. I've talked about this with my teacher a lot. Um, it's not. He he gives workshops on how to write for Bandanyan because it's not an easy thing to do, especially if you don't know it and it's a complex instrument. So while I was practicing this piece. So in the middle section, um, Dom wrote these really like beautiful uh, chord passages and with this like this big melody. And the challenging thing is, so what people need to understand is, as you're playing the instrument, the bellows opens. And then you reach a limit, depending on your arm length, which I don't have very long arms. And then you have to change direction. Once you change directions and the instrument goes back in, the keyboard system changes. So you have to know four different keyboard systems. So some things are comfortable going out, and other things are comfortable going in. Most musicians only play out because the instrument sounds more sonorous going out. But if you play long passages, like Dom wrote, you have no option but to go in and out, in and out. So I started the passage. Um, I was trying to think of what direction, what to do. And I wanted to ask Dom because I finally was like, I realized I was practicing in the wrong direction. And when I changed the direction, then it all fell into place. And I was like, oh, this is so comfortable. Oh. And I, wanted, like, I was like, I wonder if he looked at the picture of the keyboard system. 
Did you at all? I did, but that uh, that serendipity is just pure chance. Oh, There's, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was stressing out. <laughs> so the ensemble, it's Ben and Yon, piano, and then violin and tenor. How did you negotiate? Because I think of the piano uh, as sort of an accompanimental instrument in that context, but I would also think of the bandignon in the same way. How did you approach voicing the ensemble? I approach it uh, kind of in a in a band context, um, and also using the piano as the bass instrument um, because it is the really the only one that has a true you know sub bass range, getting below the bass staff. Um, and I also tended, uh, there are two passages where only the piano is accompanying the tenor as kind of like a, you know, quasi art song texture. And then the bandignon and the violin interject with more melodic content. So in general, yeah, I've kept the piano to a more like rhythmic accompanimental role and then letting the other instruments shine a little more melodically. All right, I have a question. Uh, is there a, a standard tango ensemble, like instruments that you would expect to have at a tango? Yes, that's a very good question. Actually. Thank you. What are those instruments? Okay, <laughs> so there's there's some um, two standard ensembles. One is called the um, Orquesta Típica. The Orquesta Típica consists of uh, piano, upright bass, four bandoneons, four violins. Actually, as many violins as you want, but at least four violins. And that is the basic. They as time progressed, they started adding cellos. Sometimes you'll see a viola. It's rare to see a woodwind instrument. Um, they, the more like modern orchestras, you'll see that. And even some of the golden era ones, you'll sometimes hear like a clarinet, but that's not typical. Horns, no. Mm. Uh, and one of the distinctive things about the Orquesta Típica is that there's no percussive instrument. So tango, especially when for dancing music, is one of the only social dances that doesn't use a percussive instrument for a rhythmic bass. It's the rhythm section is piano, bass, and bandoneon. So bandoneon can also serve as that accompaniment thing, and there's different um, techniques you learn on the instrument that you can do on it that you cannot do on accordion. And I went over that over the, the composition workshop that I did that Dom was at, and he inserted that in his piece. So if, when you go to the concert, you'll see me do like these rhythmic accompaniment models on the instrument. Oh. So I was really glad that Dom incorporated that because it's really unique to the instrument. For smaller ensembles, it's usually a, a quintet that um, Piazzolla made famous. So it's piano, upright bass, bandoneon, one violin, and acoustic guitar. And Dominic, did you listen to this kind of music while you were writing? Absolutely. I love <laughs> Piazzolla. I think he's a genius, and his music is so underappreciated in America. So I really listened to a lot of it, yeah. Amy's presentation during this concert will be a performance, but also a bit of a, a lecture as well. Uh, last year, we had Matt Sampson give a presentation on the Seaboard, and that was a really successful part of that concert. Our audience had an opportunity to learn about the instrument as well as hear what it sounds like. So Amy's contribution to this concert will be similar to Matt's contribution in that the audience will, you as the audience will be able to ask her questions, get to know the instrument, get to know more about this really exciting type of music and how it's being pulled into the, the art music community or the classical music community. Oh yes, please come. Please come with questions. I love talking about Bandoneon. I could talk about it forever. Um, because it is so unique and it's so interesting, so I look forward to meeting all of you and answering any questions. Uh, I know that 
my friends from the tango dancing community will be there. So you'll also get to meet dancers, ask them questions about the scene, what it's like, because that in and itself is also really interesting. Yeah, it'll be a really great concert. And uh, in addition to Amy and Dom's piece, uh, we'll have Armando Baiolo and his violin and electronic piece, Touche. Uh, Sam Post, our pianist, will be playing one of his original compositions. And then we'll have a 10-minute set for piano and tenor uh, featuring David Miranda. It's all Central American art song, which he's really excited to present. Uh, it's it's beautiful music. It's sort of got this turn of the 20th century uh, lyricism, um, and it's, it's not often heard. So that'll be a, a really exciting bunch of music uh, to have at this concert. And... Yeah. Um, I specifically decided to uh, play one bandoneon solo um, by Astrid Piazzolla because there are many legendary bandoneon players in the, like the pantheon of the history, and there's so many, and I, I want to learn all their solos. But unfortunately, all solos for bandoneon are hard and insanely difficult to learn and take me months. But these pantheon of amazing bandoneon players really knew how to play for the right for the instrument. And so I really wanted to showcase the solo that Piazzolla arranged because it brings the sonority of the sound out. And I really hope that people get to hear what it is that draws me and others who play the instrument to it because there is something about that instrument that I haven't heard in piano or in cello or anything else. There's just, it's just really unique. Um, so yeah, please come. StageFree.org. All right, thank you all for joining us for the Stage Free podcast featuring Concert 2.1. Again, the concert will be on September 22nd. It is at a private residence, so we'll send that address to you if you purchase a ticket. Tickets are available through our website, stagefree.org, and we hope you will also subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest news from Stage Free. Thank you so much.